Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. Um, we feel this is uh, where we need to be right now. We've, we've been pondering the, uh, the, the question in response to Jesus about really what was the most important thing in life. And his response was so simple and wonderful and profound. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that practically, we've said, you know, to, to make that as practical, which is what we want to do. We want to make living this walk and this life in Christ as practical as we can. What does that look like? And, and uh, really have sort of focused on three things that uh, help us in, in living that life. The, the first of those is being thankful. And I encourage you to be thankful. Been doing that for a long time. For at least five things every day that, that it's a reminder of who God is and the amazing love he has for us. And, and it, it causes us just to love him back and get our focus right. And that just being thankful is, is, a, is a good way to love on God with all that you are. It gets your focus right. That uh, we've, we've also said you should encourage at least two people a day that that's a good way to love others. It, it again gets things moving the way they should. And that the best way to love yourself, which is part of that whole thing, is by doing the next right thing. That uh, I have found over time that doing the next right thing just makes life better. And when I don't do the next right thing, it, you know, life gets more and more difficult in the process. And so those are the three things we're shooting at, and yet what we've also said is even though I get that and I want to do that and kind of make that my goal and I want to be a good disciple and all those things, um, that life has a way of jumping up at me and getting me distracted. And things come up and things happen and situations happen and I take things in and I get, you know, uh, all sorts of out of focus. And, and, the, and, and even though, you know, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. I still have issues that, that need to be dealt with all the time. My sin pops up, my selfishness, sarcasm, you name it, these things take place. And so we've, we've decided what we're going to do is put together what we've called a primer. And that it's really about priming the pump. That, that we, we want to have something uh, that we can all have, and it's going to be a tangible thing that we're working through right now. Um, tools that we can have to help us get the, the pump primed every day so that we can be better disciples. Something even more practical than our practical solution so that we can walk this out practically. And I said there's like these seven areas that I think if we can... Um, really kind of move into on a regular basis, every day, every, every morning, that, that we, can, we can stay closer and more connected to God throughout the day. And so we're, we're talking about um, getting focused, getting thankful, getting connected, getting dressed, getting encouraging, get her done, one of my favorites just to say, and because I like it so much, I made it the last section as well, which is get her done and ask yourself a question, sort of an end of the day review. And that we're, we're working on this, we're developing tools for you, uh, but as we do that, we're, we're working through the scriptures in each one of those things to help us um, really prime the pump to be the disciples that he's called us to be in order that we can experience the life that he's created us for. And so there's things that we, we need to deal with. So far, we've been talking about getting focused, looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and that this is, is really the best way I know of to start the day. And that, that, that verse is so motivating, the first one, Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that, that um, we have the amazing privilege 
of being able to enter into the most holy place, to be in the literal presence of the holy God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's available to us, and we need to move towards it. And really, the, the beginning of Hebrews 10, 19, and 20, 21, 22, 23 are all about that whole process, getting focused on who he is and who we are in him. And that um, the, 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 day will, the time comes throughout the day that tries to get us distracted from, from understanding that, and that's when we start being selfish and start doing things that we shouldn't and start doing not the next right thing. And the enemy we've talked about, he loves to try and you know, stick us in our past and get our shame and our guilt all worked up, but we don't have to live that way because in Christ, we have access to the throne room of God, and we can live in the new and living way he's provided for us. That's what we talked about last week. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And so we've discussed those things. Today we're going to dig into the, the next part of that little chunk of scripture, Hebrews 10, 21. Um, and, and what we're going to look at today is that since we have a great priest over the house of God, I'm going to talk about that. But before I hop into that, let's hop into the scripture reading for today. And then we'll go from there. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. This is out of the message paraphrase. And it connects well with what we're talking about. Same, same writer um, in, in our entrance into the throne room and how amazing that is. Hebrews 4, 14. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it strip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to have that in mind as we dig through our scripture today, Hebrews 10, 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. See, we're getting our focus right and that we need to start thinking about now. Um, we have this great priest, Jesus who is, is over the house of God, who's over us. He's our priest. And he's a great priest. And there you go with a, that, that word sometimes. You ever wonder, sometimes words don't seem to be enough to describe the, the reality of the situation, that Jesus is better than great. And then you start looking for words that are better than great and they're hard to find. I, I did a quick search um, this week as I was studying about you know, the names of, of God and of Christ in the, in the Bible and, and um, I started to print them out and, and it was so many pages long that I had to go, okay, there's too many. Because um, everybody uh, throughout history has uh, taken in this idea, everybody, many people, um, of the greatness of Jesus and what he's done for us. And they've tried to find words to express it, labels, titles. And, and there's like 700 of them throughout the scripture talking about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Because, because what he's done is so amazing that, that the word great almost isn't even enough. I've been spending time recently reading through the Old Testament again and, uh, in Exodus um, and, and Leviticus. Uh, and numbers as things are being set up in the in the tabernacle, particularly in Leviticus, um, the, the which describes the most holy place and the curtain that surrounds it and everything that has to happen. And you start to read the regulations for the high priest who would enter into that most holy place once a year to to make a sacrifice there to atone for the sin of Israel, and and that was the only time in the only guy in, and he had to go through this this 
huge amount of rules and regulations to get there. Everything had to be just right to get into the holy uh, of, of holies, the most holy place to be in the presence of God. And, and so all these things and, and animal things and everything had to be just right and done in just the right way. And down to uh, when you read about it, the, the priest himself who would go in there, this guy who had to be without imperfection that was noticeable. Like um, in the Old Testament, you couldn't go into the most holy place if you had a blemish. Can you imagine? But see, what Jesus has done and why he's so great is that at the cross, he, he fulfilled all of that stuff for us, every regulation, every rule, every um, thing that needed to be done, and, and he did it at the cross in defeating death and rising again. He tore the curtain. We have access to the most holy God in Christ, and we get to go there with all our blemishes intact. And he loves us because he sees us in Christ. And see, it's so important that you, you're taking that in about the, the access that we have because the, the enemy would love to keep you out of there because he wants to focus you on your blemishes. And yet that's not how he sees us. He, God sees us in Christ. And so we have this amazing opportunity uh, to go because of what Jesus, our great priest, has done. So I want to spend just a few minutes today talking about some of the things that make Jesus great or better than great or whatever word, you know, great-tastic, uh, uh, great-nificent, nothing, okay, and that's okay. <laughs> In Christ, we have a great priest who, number one, sympathizes with us. He sympathizes with us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, he sympathizes with us. He un it means he understands us. He knows what it is to live in this world. He understands the things that we struggle with. Now, he never sinned, but he understands what it's like to be flesh and to walk into this world. In, in a fallen, broken world, he totally understands you. And, and you need to know how cool that is. See, because it begins to knock down and dispel all of the false sort of religiosity that we move into, all of these ideas about, oh, you know, we got to be this way and that way. He gets you. He understands you, and, and he knows what it's like to, to walk in your shoes. He, he understands. He gets you. And see, we, we all have struggles, and, and we have to um, sort of at some level embrace the fact that we're not perfect and that we're broken in order to get ourselves into the throne room to get the mercy and grace that we need. See, we need to be in there. But sometimes we, we get this thing and, and we think that our struggles keep us out of there and then we, we can uh, either, either we just go running in the wrong direction or we try and pretend like we're way more together than we really are, which also keeps us out of the presence of God that's so available to us. It's there for us. And so we have to deal with and understand that we struggle, that we are not yet perfect. I haven't met a perfect person yet. I'm sorry if that offends you, but it's just, if that offends you, then, then you're not perfect. Um, so so I'll, I'm going to share with you a, a struggle of mine. I, I have a struggle. It's a little disease I like to call my way-itis. And uh, maybe nobody else experiences my way-itis, but it pops up on me 
and uh, it, 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 it causes me a lot of problems. And um, my way-itis can make me haughty, uh, which, it, which it often does. Um, my way-itis um, uh, gets me in trouble, and, and it, it usually makes me stupid. Um, so, so what does that look like? Okay. So uh, I'll give you an example. This week I'm driving home. I went up and visited the satellite church in Ocala. I had a nice visit. Good things were good. and it was, it was a blessing to be there. I'm heading home. I'm coming home on the turnpike. And um, I'm not a fast driver, but I like to drive the speed limit anyway. I think, you know, the speed limit is good. Okay, let's do the speed limit-ish. And I'm driving down the road. Um, now at one point on this journey, I come upon two cars. And there's two lanes, and these two cars are side by side, and they're going under the speed limit. Now, I approach this situation, and I think, well, that's interesting. And I, I don't, maybe you don't have this stuff. I have thoughts like um, someone needs to uh, make everybody stop before they get on the turnpike and explain what the left lane is all about to them. <laughs> maybe they don't teach this anymore. But the left lane is really not just for traveling. The right lane is for traveling. The left lane is for people who want to get around people that are traveling slower than them. That's the existence, the purpose of that left lane. That's why it's there. So that this can happen smoothly and easily. And, and I try and stick to that. See, my way I just usually kicks up when I'm trying to do what I think is right. And I just generally expect that everybody else ought to do the same thing. That all of us ought to interpret the left lane rule the same. <laughs> Passing, traveling, passing, traveling. Okay, so I pull up, and, and these two cars, and, and, and they continue to drive. No car is making any ground on the other car in either lane. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. They're both doing 65, and they're, like they're doing it on purpose, like they've been yoked together <laughs> driving down the highway. I got a bad case of my way-itis at that moment. And, and see, here's the deal. I can't in any scenario imagine Jesus taking his pickup truck at 65 miles an hour and moving to within two or three inches of someone in front of him. <laughs> like big truck, do you get it? No, you don't get it. And then see, this is where stupid kicks in and then swerving over into the other lane to see if that guy gets it. And, and really, he's not in the wrong. He's traveling. I shouldn't even mess with that guy. But I'm thinking, you don't see what's going on here? Is no one looking behind you? And then swerving back into the other lane. Really, you're not going to move. Now, here's what happens next. Years ago on the turnpike, and if you were here years ago, you've heard this story. I was, I was on the turnpike, and this was, like I said, numerous years ago. And back then, uh, Sun Pass had just sort of started, and, and I didn't have one. Um, and they had toll lanes all, all over the place, and they had exact change lanes. It's not that long ago that most of you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? And then they had, if you don't have exact change, these are your lanes over here. If you have exact change, you move into these lanes over here. And I 
doing the right thing would have my exact change. And I would have it ready to go in my hand. I'd start going, hey, there's a toll lane coming up in two miles. Give me the quarters. Let's go. And I'd make sure I had the necessary amount of quarters to run through an exact change lane, which ought to be a quick and orderly process if everyone's doing the right thing. <laughs> now, on this particular occasion, uh, someone had gotten in the exact change lane and apparently had not the exact change. And there was like only one exact change lane open. And I pulled into it thinking everybody would do the right thing. And now we're stopped in the exact change lane. And we're stopped like half a dozen cars back and I can't get over to the other lanes and I'm just trapped. And um, I'm in the car and my, my kids are in the car and I'm making some sort of comment about this, the intelligence of these people. I don't remember what it was, but my daughter, much younger at the time, looks at me and she said, Daddy, yeah, you're a pastor. So, not right now I'm not. They don't know it. I don't put Christian bumper stickers on my vehicles on purpose. Nobody knows. <laughs> I don't advertise. So I, I flashed on that while I'm buying these people. And I think, okay, okay, stop. This is stupid. Why, why are you doing this? It doesn't matter. It's, life is bigger than this. It's, it's different. Daddy, are you a pastor? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, you know, and I'm a disciple, and I shouldn't be doing this. It's, it's ridiculous. And so, um, you know, if you want to drive slowly in the left lane, bless your heart. <laughs> and I, I, I apologize to the driver of a white Ford Escort on the turnpike Friday heading southbound at about 2 o'clock. You know, when I, when I told that story about the toll booth the first time, the very next week, I had uh, up here on the pulpit, someone had bought me a sun pass. <laughs> I'd never bought one because I didn't think it was going to last. That's <laughs> not going to last. <laughs> okay. So I say all that to say this. Look, Jesus understands me. See, because when I make the connection that I'm, I'm, I'm just lost in stupid my way stuff, um, I don't have to hide from him or put on some sort of hyper thing that I'm okay. I just go and say, man, I'm so broken sometimes. He says, I don't want to be like that. I don't, I, it shouldn't, it's just, I get, I get majored on the minors and I, it takes me right out of the game. And I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. What difference does it make if I'm doing 65 or, you know, it just doesn't make any difference. It, it's, and in life, there's all these things going on all the time that get me so distracted. Uh, and the enemy would love for me to just run down the My Way Itis trails. And there, there's no life there. You can't find life there. You think, well, that's where there's going to be life. There isn't life there. And so we, we have to be aware of what's happening. And because he understands us, see, we can approach the throne with confidence in our time of need. Right in the middle of that, I realized I could go and get what I needed, which was his mercy and grace. It's available to me. He's not pointing the finger at me or judging me or being critical of me or anything else. He's going, I get it. Now come in and get the mercy and grace you need in order to walk this thing out. He wants to help us. In Christ, we have a great priest who, number two, is our model for life and ministry. It's like I said, there's no way I could imagine Jesus doing some of the stupid stuff I do. But he models life for me. And then I go, he would, why? He never. And, and, and so he shows us how to live 
in order to experience real life. And in doing, he just totally breaks down religious stereotypes about what it looks like. He was so real, so honest, so truthful. He just loved people so well in the midst of their stuff. He never held back from telling people the truth, but he did it with such amazing love that they could hear it. And, and we need to live like that. That's where life is. And our throne room perspective ought to help us to, to see like he sees. That's letter A. Um, we've talked about that. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Oftentimes when I see the crowds, I think to myself, I'm not going to be able to get into Winn-Dixie. <laughs> Do you get the problem? We ought to be able to think like he thinks with our throne room perspective. That's B, think like he thinks. Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Oh, man. That's right. I need to think differently all the time. We need to serve like he serves. Get a perspective on that. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How quickly we get stuck into that, it should be all about me. It's not. We need to love like he loves. That's D. John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We need to just get our perspective changed. And see, as we learn to do those things, it allows us to do what he did. We've talked about that. To experience the life that he created us for. So that's, that's the, 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 when you get this, the, the realization that we can be connected to God as his disciples, as disciples of Jesus, that, that life then opens up to us in a way that we just couldn't even imagine before, everything changes. Life is found in, in a, with that throne room perspective. That's why it's so important for it to get us. In Christ, we have a great priest who, point number three, has made a way that we can now be heavenly. We can now experience uh, eternal life. We can now experience the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, and people now can be heavenly. First man, Adam. Second man, Jesus. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. I love that word. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, um, we've all excelled at sin, selfishness, contempt, both self-contempt and other-centered contempt. Um, we've approached life uh, from, from our old dead way of thinking, uh, from the earthy origins. Now in that same way, um, we, with as much enthusiasm and effort, uh, we need to... Uh, push into the heavenly ways. We need to embrace God's ways, his will, his way for us. We need to catch ourselves when we're stuck in my way-itis and go, I don't want it. There's no life in my way-itis. It's the opposite. I want to get his way going. I want his perspective. I want life from the throne and throne room ways, kingdom of God ways, life, full life, heavenly life, eternal life. It's available to us to experience now in some measure. And so the encouragement, again, is, is to every day you know, rush into the presence of God. See it as this amazing opportunity that it is. Take advantage of it. Connect with him. A few minutes every day. Just realizing I can be here, not because of anything I've done, not because I deserve it, because you see me in Christ, and I can come here in the midst of my struggles, and you give me the help that I need to, to push through them, to change, to grow. 
That's what's happening as we start this first section. It's all about getting our perspective changed, getting our focus right, knowing how much we're loved, how much our great priest has done for us, that we might experience life. And, and I want to encourage you every day, just keep taking this time, thinking about those verses, and pressing in to the presence of God. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video or on television, thank you very much. If we can do anything, call us, write us, email us. We'll do whatever we can for you. But we're going to close here with prayer.